Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott. Today, Jeff visits with teenager Sarah, who has a young person's perspective and insights on family relationships. Jeff and Sarah delve into the topic of faith loss, young people leaving the faith they were raised with. Today, we're back with Sarah, someone who I would say is a brave young woman for getting on here to talk about a bunch of different issues. She kind of (laughs) serves as our our insider. She can speak from uh, kids, adolescents, teens' perspective into so many of these issues. And so, Sarah, it's great to have you back with us. Thank you so much. I got a question, though. Okay. Why are you willing to do this? Okay. This is kind of a tough question. For me, I think I've always been the type of person to want to help people before myself. But after we did the first show, I realized that like doing the show, helping other people like really helped me like grow and overcome just like a lot of these things within the first day I did it. And that was like a really good, beneficial and powerful feeling. And I just can't wait to like give that to everyone I possibly can. Excellent. We're kind of hoping that we'll help parents, but we're also hoping that we might have some parents have their kids tune in with them and, and where you could help those kids feel like they're not alone. Yeah, exactly. In some of this stuff. So that's great. So it's great to have you. Thank We're going to talk this time about the loss of faith. We've got different studies say 60, 70, 80, some people saying as high as 90% of the kids growing up in Christian homes are leaving the faith. And I've had the privilege of working with about 3,000 kids and talking about this topic in small groups and one-on-one interviews. So I've got a whole bunch of data in the back of my head related to that. But it's always good to get current, number (laughs) one, and two, to get a 14-year-old's perspective directly into what concerns a lot of parents when they're looking at their kids. I want to start with this thought of, you know, as you think about faith loss, what are some of the things you think about? Why are people your age thinking, you know, maybe I'm not going to stick with this faith. One of the main reasons I've seen with a lot of my friends is, you know, really strict parents and, you know, forcing the religion on their kids instead of, you know, really engaging with them, trying to explain it, the meaning of everything, how powerful that can be. Also within the church, I found, and like also your studies, there's a lot of hypocrisy within the kids and even some leaders. And I think that's also really discouraging for somebody who wants to have a really strong faith to seem so much difference and I guess like opposition to what they're supposed to believe. Okay. We, we had two different things there. We had parents and we had hypocrisy. So let's dig first into hypocrisy a little. It was funny. As I started doing the research sessions, I'd have groups of 25 to 60 kids in the room, and I'd be asking these questions. And the first couple of times they brought up hypocrisy as an issue, and I kind of dismissed it because hypocrisy is just an excuse. We're all hypocrites at some level, so why even dig into it? But as it kept coming up, I finally one day did dig into it. It was fascinating. Because the second I said, why is hypocrisy such a big issue? They went silent. And I figured they'd go, oh, my parents, the adults in the church, everything else. And I, so I brought up, is it the adults? And they still stayed silent. And I finally said, are you talking about hypocrisy in the youth group? <laughs> and about, you know, 60 kids went, oh, yeah. It's not boring. Oh, yeah. I was just like, and that kicked off this fascinating conversation. So why don't you enlighten us about the hypocrisy going on in the youth group? I think no matter what youth group or how strict or lenient it is, there's always going to be hypocrisy. It just depends on the different levels. A lot of kids 
will surprisingly, I bet if you ask them or just between their friends, that's where they, you know, were introduced to drugs the first time, their first hookup, you know, like even like bad languages, like a younger kid or something as mild as that all the way to, you know, like really intense things. A youth group is usually the place where it's first introduced and oh no, the house of God. But like, that's really where it happens. Wait a minute. You know, there are a lot of parents right now just doing a double take. <laughs> you just said that youth group is the place where you first get invited to do all sorts of things that are so counter the faith that it's not even funny. Yeah. That's really hard for a parent to believe because youth groups where they're believing they're going to be encouraged and, and help to go in the right direction. So what's going wrong? I've seen two things. Either one, the youth leaders and the ministers and everything are to a point where they just don't care anymore and they're too uninvolved with the kids or it's completely on the opposite side of the spectrum where they're forcing so much on the kids that they just, you know, kind of totally back off and go in a different direction. And youth groups, one of the easiest places to do it because it's to do anything really, because it's the one of the last places parents would expect. Okay. Parents, I, I hate to say this, but I totally agree with Sarah. Even if you're in shock, the reality is in my research and in the videotaped interviews, I have many kids on camera talking about how the first time they got invited to hook up was at their youth group, or the first time they got offered drugs was at their youth group. And this kind of ties back hypocrisy as we discussed it with the kids in the research. They ended up defining it as leading an intentionally deceptive dual life, mm -hmm. knowing how to act with mom and dad and then having a totally different thing going on out here. What percentage of the kids in the youth group from your experience are living some type of dual life? From my experience, every single one. I have not met one person in my youth group who I've become friends with who isn't leading some type of a double life. But this means two things. One, do not pull your kids out of youth group immediately. That'll end in a lot of backlash and just like create even more problems. And two, that doesn't mean like these people, you know, aren't good people. We all go through a lot of things. And just because we're all leading dual lives for one reason or the other, that doesn't mean like we're bad people or we're bad kids or we deserve punishment. We're just going through a lot. But like I said, not bad people and don't pull us out. And I'm not just saying that so we can keep doing these things. I just don't think it would be that healthy. I would agree because when parents react, it kind of kicks off that oppositional nature. And then that makes the kids want it even more. Right. Um, so it, Speaking it, truthfully from experience, <laughs> like no other. <laughs> so let's tie this a little bit back to faith loss. So why does hypocrisy in the dual life cause young people your age to start to question doubt the faith it's just seeing so many people who are supposed to like air quotes supposed to be doing the right thing and you know they're super duper not doing that um it's complete opposite and you feel like that this place that is supposed to be good is turned so far from that and that's really discouraging seeing that you know like this place of worship has gone into like where people deal drugs or you know like i said have their first hookup or that and forcing the religion on the kids instead of letting them really try to understand and ask questions and being way too strict that is also really discouraging because of the oppositional brain and just Kids just want to understand. They want to know things. They want to experience things. And if something's constantly being pushed on them, they're no doubt going to want to run the other way or just at least question it. And that's totally healthy and normal. That's what uh, you know. we found in our research was that bottom line, when you're living in a place where you're supposed to be encouraged to go the right direction, 
and the peer pressure seems to be more to go the wrong direction, it can be really discouraging to the faith because you said a, a valuable word there. You said experience. We want to experience things. Your generation, postmodern, post-Christian, aren't so much about truth and knowledge. You're more about experience and community and authenticity. And so when you're in a community that's supposed to be a faith community and it doesn't look or act like a faith community, it really puts the faith in question. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And talking about experience from experience, your parents or like you can tell your child as much wisdom as you have, wants the absolute best for them. But nine times out of 10, they're going to want to find out, you know, what the real world is or what whatever is like. And they're either going to want to try it anyway, you know, talk to friends who have tried whatever we're talking about. But experience nowadays to my generation, in my opinion, is so much more valuable than just being talked at and, you know, spewed information at. And we really learn better from experience, even if we learn the hard way, even if we get trapped in that. Experience is so much more valuable, in my opinion, than, you know, lectures. And that so fits with, you know, the postmodern mindset. And the challenge we have is so many of the parents are in that modern mindset where it's all, all about the knowledge. And if you just have the right knowledge and do the right knowledge, then everything will be okay. And for your generation, that is like oil and water to exactly. a degree. <laughs> so, so with that, when we think about faith loss, where are you at with your faith? Oh, geez. <laughs> Since sixth grade, I'm a sophomore in high school now, but I have fluctuated so much. Um, all of my younger years and elementary years, we went to church every single Sunday, had a great relationship with all of my um, youth pastors and everything. I had absolutely no question. And, you know, starting sixth grade, when I was like starting to go through adolescence, really change, um, things started going a little bit downhill with my parents. I I just got a lot of bad things handed to me at once, and that's, you know, my first loss of faith. I really struggled over the summer after my sixth grade year. I got it back. Um, it was a little shaky, but it was okay. Then again, in eighth grade, I was forced into a very small private Lutheran academy where the entire school, not just my class, this is fifth grade to 10th grade, there was 104 kids. They were so strict, forcing religion on us every single day. And I remember there was one kid who walked in on the first day of school unapologetically atheist. And by the end of the first semester, he had converted over half of my class and many people in other classes too. And I really stuck with that for a long time because I was just looking at everything in my life saying there's no way that there could be a God through all of this. Thanks for sharing that. We're going to be back with Sarah to continue talking about faith loss and specifically how parents kind of play into that in a few minutes. You're listening to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. More in a moment. Resentment is a disease that will eat you up from the inside. Dr. Robert Enright, UW-Madison professor and forgiveness researcher, says forgiveness can help cure you. If someone has wronged you, as soon as they're inside your head and your heart... They've won. Forgiveness can remove the resentment and cleanse your head and your heart. Dr. Enright founded the International Forgiveness Institute, and it's doing miraculous work around the world. Learn about forgiveness and forgiveness therapy at internationalforgiveness.com. Going, going, gone is a reference to someone departing the faith. Now you see them, now you don't. Going, Going, Gone is a book by researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott that explores the reasons more than 2,000 kids told him their faith was waning. 
You may not be aware that 70% of the kids raised in the church leave the faith. If you have an 8-year-old, a middle schooler, or a teen, this book is a must-read. Buy the book Going, Going, Gone at revivefamily.com slash radio. That's revivefamily.com slash radio. Parenting is a commission you receive from God when a child comes into your life. You're the guide, the mentor, the teacher who will lead and set an example. That sounds like one of the greatest assignments you could ever be given. And it is an amazing gift, but it comes with serious challenges, problems, and frustrations. Parenting can be the most difficult job there is because there are kids with ideas that don't sync with yours. There's nonstop advice coming at you from neighbors and family members, and you've tried techniques that are supposed to work but don't. Where do you turn? You turn to revivefamily.com. It's the website created by Jeff Schott, host of Parenting in the 21st Century. Revivefamily.com has powerful resources that guide you to making better decisions as a parent or someone in the role of a parent, like a grandparent, aunt, uncle, foster parent, guardian, big brother, big sister. You'll find research studies, audio CDs, DVDs, and more, including Jeff's book, Influential Parenting, at revivefamily.com. Continuing with Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. Welcome back to Parenting in the 21st Century. We're talking about faith loss today with Sarah, a 14-year-old from Florida. <laughs> She's actually here in studio with me, actually, in Durango, Colorado, so it's great to be with her here. We've been talking about faith loss and how hypocrisy and the dual life cause so many doubts. But you started there at the end, mentioned some things related to parents, mm -hmm. that parents really impact that. And one of the questions I've often asked people your age is, is it your faith or is it your parents' faith? And I think I asked you that this week as we've been doing some of our coaching. Yeah. And I think you answered, it's my parents' faith. Did you answer that way and why? I did definitely answer that. And it's not an insult or anything. It's just so many parents, you know, have gone through the experience and they want the best for their kid. So they're going to take over the years, whatever knowledge, faith, whatever they've acclaimed and, you know, try and pour it into the kid for, you know, the best outcome possible. And I understand where that's the thought process they would have. But only knowing that one thing and having it kind of forced on me was really difficult because, you know, questions were allowed and my parents were super encouraging and everything. But if that's the only thing I really knew, obviously I'm going to wonder what else is out there. Just my household and the way it was kind of set up in the family culture and everything, they said mistakes were allowed a lot and they were forgiven because it's in the Bible. But those phrases and their actions were two completely different things. And it was, you know, a lot stricter than even my parents would have realized, which led to a lot of faith loss for me on top of a lot of tragedy and loss that I've gone through in my life. It wasn't too long ago. I was in Texas and I was with a group at a really prestigious Christian high school and talked to their juniors and seniors and got them being honest, I finally asked the question, how many of you would say this was your parents' faith? And unfortunately, 75% of the hands in the room went up. And the administrators and teachers in the back of the room were like, oh, you know, <laughs> or they're like, this can't be. But it's what we've seen consistently wherever we go. You know, when we think about parents and You've, you've brought up being strict a couple of times, but what other things do parents do at times to cause people that are wrestling, doubting, questioning the faith to maybe want to turn away or to dismiss the faith even further? Reprimanding 
is a lot that I've noticed. And it's just whenever you, you know, stray a little bit, instead of asking really important questions, why, like, what are you feeling to make you do this? You know, is this just for a little bit? Is this really what you believe? Instead of really understanding their child, you know, they switch around and try and force their religion on them because they believe that's right. And, you know, from experience and a lot of other my friends, just because the parents say it, not to undermine you guys, but it doesn't mean it's always right. And not letting the kid experience, like I said, experience again, different religions or lack thereof, I think is really unhealthy because they're trying to understand and learn as much as possible and forcing something upon them when they're trying to learn and search for the right answer to them. Equation for chaos. <laughs> okay. And one of the things that I found, you mentioned reprimand. One of the things I've seen is that we've got to focus in parenting on there's boundaries and there's consequences. Mm -hmm. And one of the things from talking to so many different students I've found is that when that equation is in place and it comes into adolescence with the oppositional adolescent brain, the breakdown in the relationship can be significant. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes when that breaks down, it even causes us to question almost anything a parent says and maybe even more so the faith. How does that relate to your experience? You kind of just described all of my years from sixth grade to now. Um, at first, my parents were really confused, doubtful, even the first time when I was in sixth grade losing a faith. Um, and then, you know, when this one kid kind of transformed us all, like atheists or whatever, I found it best to keep that for my parents. And for a long time, actually, because I just thought it was going to be better. I didn't want to have to deal with lectures or being taken more to church and just forcing it more on me. So just for the past with my parents and knowing that like I was different from them and how they wanted me to be was like the first real sever in the relationship, especially with me and my mom. And that's when I started really distancing myself. And that's when my dual life really started to kick in. Okay. So the parents contribute to the dual life? A lot more than parents think. Um, and then a lot more kids also participate in the dual life than parents think. I've, I've found I can go talk to an audience of parents and say, you know, 75 to 80% of the kids we talk to are leading some form of dual life. And the parents would come up and go, well, it's not my kid. It's Oh, yeah. It's no, the, I'm it's, sorry. It's definitely uh, your kid. Was there a disconnect for you at all when your parents would have the rules and consequences and then you would go to church and hear about forgiveness and grace? Was that confusing? What did that do? Yeah, extremely. Um, I, you know, grew up in a household where I felt I had to perform to receive love and affection and just understanding that there were such, you know, strict consequences for the slightest mistakes and then going to church. And like you said, seeing forgiveness is always the answer. I felt like I couldn't even talk to my parents about that confusion because, you know, they're the parents, they're the authoritative figures. And it was just a really lonely time in my life to like feel like I didn't have anyone to go to. And my whole life, I've also really struggled with communicating with God, not just my religion. That's always been on and off, but I've always felt a disconnect in being able to communicate with God through prayer or whatever. So I felt like I didn't even have him to turn to. So isolation was kind of my coping mechanism and that wasn't healthy and it just led to so much more bad things. What bad things? Um, started to go downhill into depression, anxiety, you know, a couple eating disorders, 
working myself really, really, really hard to a point of like unhealthy fatigue, lack of relationships, lack of friendships. Um, like I said, a lot of isolation from people important in my life and overall just not really caring about anything at all. So getting numb. Yep. <laughs> okay. With, with this whole thing with parents, they obviously love their kids. Mm-hmm. They want to do what's best. In many ways, they're, they're doing what so many parenting programs out there tell them to do. But what you're saying is that the way parents approach their kids can actually harm their faith. Absolutely. And we're not saying this to undermine any parents. It's just this generation is, you know, becoming so unhealthy and so isolated. We're trying to make a positive difference for generations in the future. And so what do parents need to do differently? How, how can they help their kid with the questions and the doubts about the faith? And what do they need to set up in their home that the kids will even talk with them about it? Something that's been really helpful in my family is just an easy button or a pause button in any conversation that gets too heated or isn't going anywhere, um, like leading to insults or anything. You can just pause the conversation. Asking important and engaging questions with your kids, like, how does that make you feel? Did we do anything to get you there? Or, you know, questions that will lead to, you know, positive conversation and understanding for everyone. Um, and then also consequences. I feel a lot of my friends have gone through households where questioning anything would, you know, leads to either being reprimanded or punished. And we're just trying to understand. So that's, I don't believe, is very healthy for the relationship or the religion. Okay. In many ways, what you described there is I feel like we've been stuck in a form of parenting that comes out of the Old Testament mm -hmm. where, you know, it was laws and sacrifices, rules and consequences, right. very, very parallel. And what it led to in the Old Testament was complete failure, a silence of the prophets for 300 years. And then Jesus came and kind of did a reset. <laughs> but somehow in parenting, we've missed that reset. We've missed that Jesus leads very, very differently than Old Testament leaders. And it right. wasn't about rules and consequences. So given your ups and downs in the faith and everything, when you, when you consider what Jesus did, how he interacted with people, what, what do you see? I see somebody who's extremely forgiving, willing to let people be different instead of trying to change them. Jesus didn't go around forcing everyone into his religion. He was there to enlighten people, love them unconditionally, provide for them, give them what we needed, and, you know, ultimately just love and care for. And I think if parents had that mindset, it would be so much more powerful than just constant talking at and talking down to versus engaging and beneficial and helpful things that kids so desperately want and need. And a lot of times our dual lives or just bad habits are cries for help saying, where's the emotional connection that I need from my parents like Jesus had with his disciples? That's a powerful statement. When we when we think about Jesus and how he led, he had 5,000 chasing him around the lake <laughs> Yeah. when he was trying to get away. How many kids are chasing their parents around the lake today? Very few to none that I've seen. If parents are running one way, the kids are running the other. Um, it's kind of a bad cycle that is very unhealthy. And ideally, we just go back to having all these disciples chasing Jesus instead of running in two opposite directions. Right. Yeah. You know, YTN, I know, has been instrumental in your family in learning some of these lessons and making some of these changes. Is, how's that, as your parents are making changes, how's, how's it impacting your life? I'm not going to lie. At first, it was really confusing and difficult 
and I, you know, went a little crazier because I'm like, whoa, more freedom. And I'm, I know this isn't going to last long. So I just did a little bit of reckless things at first, but really seeing and understanding that my parents were changing. I've built a lot better communication with them, relationship. And I've really, really tried coming out of my shell and ending that isolation period. Okay. And that's, that's hard. It's, it's an up and down cycle. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen you making a lot of progress as we're working through the coaching and it's a lot of fun to see. So parents, bottom line, we play a big role in our kids' faith loss. And just because you've heard what's really going on in youth group, um, don't react, don't, <laughs> don't yank your kids out, but it's time to engage and start talking with them and, and wrestling with them around these topics as opposed to getting upset with them about them. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today for Parenting in the 21st Century. That's it for this edition of Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return again next week with another program designed to help you become a wiser, better parent. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support. Families have issues. There are times when stress levels intensify. You don't know where to turn for help. You want relief, but old parenting techniques aren't working. Where do you find answers? Where can you find relief? You're desperate for new ideas and new insights. Start by visiting revivefamily.com. That's where you'll find resources developed by researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott. Some families struggle with a lack of communication, defiant behavior, and anger issues. The list goes on with bullying, seeming lack of motivation, and withdrawal. Any of those sound familiar? All produce stress and all our family challenges that do have answers. Visit revivefamily.com to find audio CDs, DVDs, and Jeff's book, Influential Parenting. Revivefamily.com is where you'll find relief from the stresses of parenting. Visit revivefamily.com on your way to becoming a wiser, better parent.